Well, it's so good to see each one of you here with us today as we celebrate Memorial Weekend, a special Memorial Day tomorrow. Uh, we think about all of those who gave their life for our freedoms. Uh, many years ago, I just graduated Bible College and pastored my first church in 1976 in the uh, northeastern part of Mississippi. And uh, it was a country church over 100 years old. I was their first full-time pastor. And Memorial Weekend was always the big day at church because we had three acres of uh, a grave site behind the church, uh, hundreds and hundreds, and many of them going back into the 1800s. Now, they did not call it Memorial Day. They called it Decoration Day. How many grew up and heard that before? Okay. I'd never heard it before, Decoration Day. But they came to church, uh, scores and scores, packed the country church out, and they all had a bunch of flowers and just decorated the whole gravesite. And it was an amazing thing to see. I was looking at the history, that started about the mid-1800s, Decoration Day, in Georgia, and there was a city there that ladies got together and decided to decorate the graves for those who've died. And the interesting thing is, even though Georgia's in the deep south, they decorated the graves of everyone. The northerners who died and were buried there, the southerners who died and were buried there, the white and the black, whoever it was who had given their life in any conflict in any of their uh, grave sites were decorated, and they wanted to honor them. And that's a good thing about America. If you, if you served for our country and you gave your life, we wanted to honor people. And so we made it a national holiday, and I hope that in our hearts there's that debt of gratitude that we owe for those who fought for our freedoms and we enjoy today. And so uh, on a day like today, it doesn't matter whether you're a northerner, southerner, this or that, um, it's a day we honor people who came together in the conflict. Take your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, if you will. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. But as we think about Memorial Day, we're in a passage here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when we're talking about the coming of the Lord. And the Apostle Paul was writing the Christians at Thessalonica, and some of them were worried because they had members who had died and they were worried that they'd miss the resurrection because they died before Jesus Christ came back. Now, the Apostle Paul started this church, and he was there, the Bible says, in the book of Acts, three Sabbath days. So he was there like three and a half weeks, maybe, and then he left. So he did not have time to teach them all the doctrinal truth. Now, when he was at Ephesus, he says, I preach to you the full counsel of God, but he was there three years. And so he writes back to correct their thinking and to give them some doctrinal truth and to let them know that those who've died in faith uh, have a wonderful reunion with the Lord Jesus Christ and we which are alive and remain are going to also be caught up 
with the Lord in the air. And then he says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So we're going to look at this passage of Scripture, and it's going to teach us about the coming of the Lord. That you and I as believers sorrow not as those who have no hope. Now, just yesterday, we had a funeral service at 10 o'clock and then a funeral service at 3 o'clock. And each one had a good showing of people, and praise God for that. One was five months away from 100. The other was 45 years of age, less than half the age of Frank Baird, Jeff Seifert. And both of them, though, knew that heaven was their eternal home. And you know, when you're a believer and you go to a funeral and there another believer has passed away, we sorrow, but not as those who have no hope. We know that we're going to see them again. Because we too have placed our faith in Christ and they are with Jesus and it won't be long before we're with Jesus. And so in this passage of scripture, we're going to see all that. If you found that, could we stand to our feet as we read from God's word? We're in chapter 4, verses 13 through verse 18. And follow along as I read. The Bible says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, And the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And let's bow our heads for a word of prayer and then you may be seated. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts by your spirit. Lord, we've not assembled to hear what man can say. We want to hear what the Lord says to each of our hearts through your word and by your spirit. And Lord, we've gathered in obedience to your word. You told us to assemble and here we are. And it doesn't make us the best Christians in the world, Lord, but we're trying to obey scripture and here we are assembling. But Lord, we're needy people. We need you in our homes, our personal lives, our social lives. Lord, in every area of our life, we need the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so I pray that as the Word of God is preached this morning, you will meet needs, Lord, that only you can. And we'll praise you for that. And I pray as we go from this place, Lord, we could say like David said, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So in this passage of scripture, we see the Apostle Paul writing about the coming of the Lord. I want us to go 
rather quickly through these verses, and then I want to go through them again and give you some teaching about what happens when a believer dies and how it will occur that Jesus Christ comes back for his own. We see, first of all, that Paul wants us to know about those who are asleep. Notice in verse 13, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. It simply means he wants us to know what's going on concerning them which are asleep. Now, in the Bible, when it talks about the term asleep in this context, it's referring to those who have died in faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, you recall in John chapter 11, verse 11, and chapter 11, we have the death of Lazarus. And in chapter 11, verse 11, it says, These things said he, Jesus, after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. Now the disciples come back to Jesus and say, Lord, if, if he's been sick and he's sleeping, that's good. Because you know a good night's rest really helps you when you're sick, right? If we get up and you, oh, I feel so much better. And we need that sleep to uh, have our bodies recuperate. But that's not what Jesus was meaning when he said Lazarus is asleep. So he comes back in verse 14 of chapter 11. And then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So Lazarus was asleep, but what he meant was Lazarus is dead. So when a Christian uh, dies, he is asleep in the Lord. But we're going to explain what that means, he is with the Lord. As we are confident in Christ's death and resurrection, we should also be just as confident that Christ will bring with him those who are asleep. Now notice verse 14 again, if you will. The Bible says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Well, that, that's what it takes to become a Christian, right? You have to believe in the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that uh, God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we're trusting in Christ's death, his burial, and resurrection as having purchased our salvation, having paid the price in full for our sins, past, present, and future. You know, Frank Baird passed away at 99 and, and, and eight months old, I guess. Well, I imagine he still, as long as you're in this flesh, you've got to deal with sin, Right? disobedience. And so uh, Jesus died, his death, burial, resurrection. Now, if we believe that, which as Christians we do, the Bible says also in verse 14, if, uh, if you believe that, even so, them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So if we believe in the resurrection, Paul is saying we also ought to believe that when Jesus Christ comes back, those who are asleep in Christ will God bring with him. And that lets us know that Christians go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll share that with you a little more in just a moment. And we also see that Paul says, by the word of the Lord, 
that we who are alive at Christ's coming will not prevent the dead in Christ from being resurrected. That he says in verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul is saying, this is not just some preacher saying this. This is what God told me to tell you by the word of the Lord. And he's telling them that we will not prevent them which are asleep. Now that word prevent is an interesting word. It's an old English word. But the Greek word literally has the idea of proceed. In other words, we who are alive will not precede them in the resurrection. And that's going to be explained in a moment as well. And so they will rise first and then we which are alive and remain. And we see in verse 16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, I've always believed they have like a six-foot head start. I don't know how far they're buried, you know, but, but, but they'll have a head start, and we'll explain that as well. And in verse 17, then the believers at that time will be caught up together in the clouds and to be with Jesus. And then the Bible says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Be with Jesus forever. All this wicked world and philosophies and everything else all behind us. No more to be bothered with. And then in verse 18, it says, so shall we comfort one another with these words. Now, having just gone quickly through these verses, I want to take a little time and try to explain what happens when a believer dies and what will happen when Christ comes again. And to illustrate that, I'm going to use three songbooks. Early in my ministry, I could have wrote a book, A Thousand Ways to Illustrate a Sermon with Songbooks. But for the last several years, I haven't used them that much, but I want to explain that and use these as illustrations today. The Bible tells us that man was made in the image of God. It doesn't mean that God had two legs, two arms, one nose. It means that God is a triune being, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God the Son, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit make up the triune God. So, he is a triune being. And when God created man in his image, he made us a triune being. The Bible says God made man of the dust of the earth and he formed his body. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the Hebrew word there, breath, I better be careful because uh, Dr. Dunham who taught Greek and Hebrew and homiletics for 28 years, it's here. Uh, but the Hebrew is pneumos, meaning spirit. God breathes spirit. Dr. Dunham, raise your hand. Everybody's looking, but he's over here. If you want an expert opinion of Greek and Hebrew, ask him. Do not come to me. I'm sorry. I'm doing well to speak English most of the time. But I do know he breathed spirit into him. And then the Bible says, and man became a living soul. So you have a body and spirit and soul. 
And, and that's exactly what we are. We are a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, the body is what allows us to communicate with this world. That's our senses, hearing, sight, uh, touch, all the five senses. Our soul, that's who we are. That's our will, our emotion, our intellect. That, that's our personality. Our spirit is what allows us to fellowship with God. Jesus said, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So Adam and Eve had fellowship with God in the garden because they were triune beings. God told them, when you eat of that forbidden fruit, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. And so they did eat of the fruit, first Eve, then Adam. And they did not die physically, because they were still around. They did not die mentally, because they didn't say, duh, you know. They had a mind. They still spoke. They still thought to hide themselves from God. But they did die spiritually. And their fellowship with God was broken. And that's why God had to remove them from the garden. No longer was the fellowship with God active. And that's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven. And the word see means to understand the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus didn't understand that. He said, Lord, uh, do I have to be born again physically? No. Mentally? No. Jesus said you've got to be born spiritually. The Bible says that we who were dead in trespasses and sin hath he quickened, or he has made alive. Quicken is an old English word that means to make alive. We were dead. The Bible says the natural man understandeth not the things that be of God. Because they are spiritually discerned. And because of that, he cannot know the things of God. Okay, so uh, that's how every one of us was born into this world. We were a body and a soul and a dead spirit. But then we heard one day the powerful message of the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And so the Holy Spirit of God started working in our hearts to bring about our need of Christ. No conviction, no conversion. God had to convict us of our sin and woo us to Christ, draw us to Christ. And that's what he did. And as he drawed us to the Savior, we responded in faith. And the very moment that happened, God breathed life into our spirit. The Holy Spirit of God took residence in our life. We, our bodies became his temple. And so now we are a body, a soul, and a spirit again. Now, some of us get so frustrated with this world, like, why can't they see common sense? Why, how come they can't see God is the creator? How come they can't see God created Adam and Eve, not 
38 types or variations of individuals. Just, he, he made male and female, not, you know, what do you feel like today? Um, and we wonder, how, how can people think that way? Well, because they have a dead spirit. And they have no sense of God. They have no uh, communication with God. So the things that are, come from God are foreign to them. Uh, they've got spiritual blinders on, if you will. And they cannot see things that as the, the weakest Christian sees. And we get frustrated with that. But the Bible is telling us here about death. Now, death is the separation of the body from the soul and the spirit. And the Bible tells us that the body, when separated from the soul and the spirit, goes to dust, and the soul and the spirit go to be with God. And so I want us to see that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19, "...in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread." Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So folks, the body goes back to dust, but the soul and the spirit go to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 7, it's not on your screen But it says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Oh, they're quick up there. Thank you. I threw that verse in a curve. Let me share with you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body... We are absent from the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean we don't love the Lord and He speaks to us, we speak to Him, but we are not with the Lord while we're in this body. He says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So that verse teaches us when the body separates from the soul and the spirit, in death, and we, we are separated, the body goes to dust, the soul and the spirit go to the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In other words, you go through death's door, and the first thing you see is Jesus. You are immediately into the presence of the Lord when the soul is separated from the body and the spirit. Uh, goes to be with the Lord. Uh, we do not believe in soul sleep. And many different, uh, I would say, cults or many different things believe that. And that means that when a person dies, they believe that the soul and the spirit with the body go down and is buried and they are there until the resurrection. And so uh, that's why people go there and see them. And that's why they talk to mama. Mama, I sure miss you. I hope you'll come back. Listen, you're talking to dust. I, I Feel free to go ahead and have a conversation. <laughs> but your mama, if she trusted Christ as her Savior, she's in heaven. 
And so don't look down. Look up and talk to mama if you want to talk to mama. If she's given her life to Christ, praise God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so that's a wonderful blessing. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 42 through 46, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Now, I know that some of us, as we get older, we get weaker. Uh, We're strong in mind, but weak in body, right? Uh, We got arthritis, our shoulders hurt, you know. You you get with the grandkids and say, oh, yeah, I used to play basketball. Let me me show you how it's done. And you go, oh, oh, I wish I hadn't, hadn't done that. This old body deteriorates. It is sown in weakness. But it's raised in power, the Bible says. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which was spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. So in other words, we are a natural body, soul, and spirit. When the body is separated from the soul and spirit, the body goes to dust, but the soul and spirit has a spiritual body, a spiritual body. Now, wait a minute. That's not our resurrected body yet. We'll get our resurrected body if we die But we have a spiritual body in the presence of the Lord. You say, uh, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, there's a wonderful thing that happened there. Not only was Jesus transfigured or transformed glorious light, but the Bible says he had two visitors, Moses and Elijah. Now, None of the disciples who saw Moses and Elijah had ever seen their picture in a post office or on a postcard or in an annual, nor did any of their homes have a photograph of Moses and Elijah, and yet when they met with Jesus, they said, that's Moses and Elijah. How are we going to know each other in heaven? We're just going to know each other. God's going to give us the wisdom to know each other in heaven, just like they understood that's Moses and that's Elijah. They did not have a resurrected body, but they had a spiritual body, you see. Now, they weren't in heaven. They were in what's called paradise or Abraham's bosom. And everyone was there in the Old Testament until the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is the firstborn of the resurrection. He has the key of death and hell, and he opened it up, and he brought all the believers with him to heaven. And ever since the resurrection of Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Not kept for the Lord, but present with the Lord after his resurrection. 
The Bible tells us those of us alive when Christ's return are transformed in an instant, and those who have died will have their glorified body reunited with their soul and spirit. So, those who died in faith, uh, their bodies went to dust, their soul and spirit went to God. When Jesus Christ comes back, He comes back with them who are asleep, with them who have died in faith, He comes with them. But then their bodies come together, all those atoms, and some people make it hard. They, you know, they get them cremated, then throw them to the fish in the ocean, and and God has to gather up all those molecules. Okay. Oh, I wish you hadn't done that. Couldn't you just kept it in one spot, one jar? No, no, you had to scatter it. Had to blow it out of a cannon. and uh. But that's okay. God created everything out of nothing. So that's no difficult for God. He just says, come together. And it comes together and we meet the, and they are resurrected and meet their bodies. And now they have a resurrected body. And they are forever with the Lord as a resurrected body. Now those of us who are on earth, those who've died get a head start, but then we are transformed in an instant, in a moment, a twinkling of an eye, and so shall we ever be with the Lord with all believers. So that's what takes place, and Paul says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When a loved one passes away, or you pass away, and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are going to be with Jesus. Now, the Bible's going to tell us that at the same time, we are going to be changed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, notice the wording on that. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. Some of us will be alive when Jesus Christ comes back, we hope. How many ever had a pastor who said, I believe Jesus is coming in my lifetime, and now he's in heaven, right? Well, apparently it didn't happen, but may I say that even the Christians in 1 Thessalonians believe that Jesus Christ could come back. One of the great doctrines of the Bible is the imminent return of the Lord. The rapture needs nothing to happen before Jesus Christ comes back. And everything that is given prophetically about the second coming of the Lord is not the rapture. It's the second coming of the Lord when he comes with his saints at the end of the battle of Armageddon to rule and reign and set things right on earth for a thousand years. Now, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Why is it that when people die in faith that they do not get their resurrected body? Because Jesus says that's a gift I want to give when all of my children assemble together. I'm going to give them that gift all at one time that they who've died in faith, 
will not receive that until we receive it. And all at one time, at the rapture of the church, will those who've died in faith receive their resurrected body, and those who are alive on earth, having trusted Christ as their Savior, be changed in that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. They without us should not be made perfect. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53 and 54, it says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality, so that when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought the past the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And praise God, that's a wonderful thing. And in light of all this, Paul says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We ought to be greatly comforted that we're going to be with Jesus. He died for our sins to gather us to himself. Yesterday we had two funerals. And I made this comment. When you and I as believers die, we think heaven's all about what God has in store for us. But keep in mind that God created man for fellowship. So though we have a mansion, streets of gold, all wonderful heaven, it's heaven to God to have his children all assembled. Because that's what he wanted in the first place, is to love on us for all eternity. Not just for us to love on him, and we will, but for him to love on us forever and ever and ever. Let me close with this. My father passed away at 80 years of age. Uh, He went and fought in World War II five days before his 16th birthday he enlisted, which for $2 you could get a fake ID in Detroit, Michigan. He lived in Grand Rapids. And so at 16, he was fighting in the Pacific. Now, he joined that early because he wanted to fight in Germany, but they sent him to fight the Japanese. His brother had died in the Battle of the Bulge. Having come back from World War II, it was a few years later, he went to the Korean War. And he fought there. And in the chosen reservoir, out of 5,000 in his battalion, only 250 of them came back. He was one of them. I remember that after we were born, because he got married right before, to my mother, right before he went to Korea. And Grandpa Nathan said, well, son, what makes you think he'll come back? He said, well, I came back from World War II. I think I'll come back from Korea. And so they got married. And two weeks later, he was shipped off to the Korean War. But many of the soldiers went back in peacetime because they had to uh, rebuild Korea. 
I mean, honestly, it, they killed so North, North Korea killed so many. It was devastating. And so they go back and they help rebuild and they help train and teach and everything else. My father was gone almost two years during peacetime. I was probably around eight to nine years of age. My pastor, every time he took his son fishing, he stopped by and picked up Phil, my older brother, and me. And he, almost for two years, he took us as two of his children. What a blessing that was in our life. I remember my mother saying, Mike, in just a week, your father's coming home. And it was like, wow, that was nice. And I'd almost have to look at a picture. What what dad looked like? Let, let me refresh my mind here. It'd been a while. But I remember vividly, one day, mom got up and at six in the morning, she was all dressed. She had her Easter outfit on, the best dress she owned. Her makeup was just beautiful. I thought as a boy I had the prettiest mother in the whole world. Red lipstick, beautiful complexion, every hair in place. And she looked like she was going to church on Easter Sunday morning. She got up all of us kids. I always combed my hair, but on that day she combed it. She wanted the part just right and every hair over. And she took that terrible vitalis that my dad used. You have to be old to understand that. And put it on your hair. Our Easter outfits. My two young sisters had their Easter dress on. They looked so pretty. Their little white shoes with a bow. Me and my brother dressed all nice and sharp like we're going to church on Easter Sunday morning. We got in the car and we went to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And we watched as big airplanes would come in and land and then taxi up close. We're up against a fence and we're looking at everyone. And we saw one plane empty out and then another plane come. And about halfway through there, mom said, there's your father. We were so excited. And when you saw your your father... They would let that family then go through the door and we could run out on the tarmac and we could greet them there. And my father comes out with his green uniform and he's coming with a duffel bag and we run up to him and I remember him and mom hugging, kissing, all of us kids around crying and hugging. And and I've often thought, It's going to be like that when we see Jesus. It's going to be so wonderful, folks. But we might as well start getting used to heaven. We might as well start loving each other. We might as well learn to start singing his praises. I don't like to sing. Well, you'll be an oddball in heaven. You just, (laughs) honestly, you better get used to it. And, and, And we're going to have to get used to heaven. Loving each other, loving people, being kind and gracious to each other. 
because it won't be long before the trumpet blows and we'll be with Jesus. And all the believers that have ever been are all trying to hug on him. And what a wonderful thing it is that we'll be with him for all eternity. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Folks, we've got a wonderful future in store. May I add, if you're here and you do not know that Jesus Christ died for all your sins or you have no confidence that heaven is your eternal home, let me tell you there's two reasons why. Two reasons why. One, because you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's one reason why you have no confidence. But the second one is, you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but you were raised in an environment that taught you that it's up to you now to be good enough to make it. And none of us were before we got saved, and none of us are after we got saved. And if you've got a cloud hanging over you because you say, Pastor, I, I've tried, but I'm not good enough. Would you just join the rest of us and realize you will never be good enough? That's why the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's why we are not going to heaven because of our performance, but because of his provision. It's what Jesus did. Don't look at yourself. Look at the Savior. Put all your confidence in him alone to get you to heaven. And not an ounce of it in your ability to live a good life because you'll do good for a while then you'll mess up again our faith is not on us because we're good and then not so good and then good and then and that's us Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever our faith is in him not in our ability and if you're here and you've been having doubts because you think I'm not the best Christian, and these people must be really good Christians, and I don't fit in because I'm not a really good Christian. Let me just tell you, we're all not really good Christians. But we have a really good Savior. And if you'll keep your faith in Him, you'll never doubt that heaven's your eternal home. You'll never doubt. I might not be His best child, but I'm His child, and He died for me. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this auditorium. I wonder if there's someone this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I think that helped me this morning. I wonder if there's a believer like that. Would you raise your hand and say, I think that helped me this morning. God bless you. God bless you. I especially hope that it spoke to those who are thinking about their own righteousness rather than the righteousness of Christ. Because you are carrying a load of guilt that Christ never meant for you to carry. He died for your sin, your guilt, your suffering.
I wonder if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm one of those who never trusted Christ as my Savior, but I'd really like to. Is there anyone like that? And you'd raise your hand. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior, but, but I'd really like to. Is there anyone at all like that this morning? Okay, we're God's children. I wonder if there's some Christians here this morning who say, Pastor, I'm a Christian, and I know if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I, I'm afraid I haven't been practicing for heaven very well. I haven't been joyful like I should. I haven't been faithful. I haven't been reading. I, there's just things I haven't done that I should do. Not to be a Christian. Not to be a Christian. But just, just to be happy when Christ comes. I wonder if there's a Christian that would raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I needed that. God bless you. God bless you. In just a moment, we're going to have a word of prayer and invitation. It may be that God spoke to your heart and you want to have a prayer around an old-fashioned altar. It may be that God's spoken to your heart about getting baptized or joining a church. Joining a church doesn't get you any closer to Christ, but it gives you a fellowship of believers to belong to. And every one of us as believers should have a family of faith that we belong to. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to hearts as only you can, and I pray that we would respond as you've prompted us to. And I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. The piano's playing. Would you let God speak to your heart? While the piano plays, if you want to come and have a word of prayer or pray with any of our assistant pastors, they'll be glad to pray with you. Christ wants to do a work in our lives as believers this morning. Let him do his work. Will you make that decision? Let God do something in your heart this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. Les and Debbie Shores. Uh, came this morning to place their membership at Grandview Baptist Church. And Les and Debbie, raise your hand there. God bless you. And they wrote on their card here, they just fill out a connection card, and on the back it says membership, and they just brought it down and gave it uh, to Brother John Hoxie. All in favor of receiving Les and Debbie Shores into the membership of Grandview Baptist Church, say amen. amen. God bless you, Les and Debbie. It's a joy to have you here, and 
We look forward to serving the Lord for many years. And when the trumpet blows, we'll meet you in the air. Okay? Well, God bless you. Let's watch this uh, video announcement and then we'll be dismissed. Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Mutchler was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5 as we hear Pastor Justin Lehman continue our series on Nehemiah, Building God's Way. Grandview Men's Softball is back this summer and you can sign up at the welcome desk today. This year we are playing our games at Wesleyland Park. The cost will be $40 to cover the field rental, team jerseys, hat, and several weeks of games. For questions or more information, please see Paul Potter. Join us for the Awana Awards Night, Wednesday, June 1st at 7 p.m. Children will say their verses and will be given awards based on their accomplishments in the program. Don't miss out on this chance to see how much God is working in the lives of the children here at Grandview. Mark your calendars for the Churchwide Outreach, Saturday, June 4th at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith in our community. Don't miss the Grandview Christian Academy High School Graduation Ceremony on Friday, June 3rd at 6 p.m. Be there to show your support for the graduating class members and to congratulate them on completing this important step in their lives. Our Young Adult Conference will be held Friday and Saturday, June 10th through 11th with Dr. Jim Shetler. The conference cost is only $15 and starts on Friday at 5 with Saturday sessions beginning at 9 a.m. and ending by 2 if you or someone you know is interested in attending, you can learn more information from the cards on the welcome desk or by going to our website, grandviewcares.com forward slash events. Sunday School Promotion is next week, June 5th. On this day, every elementary through high school student will be promoted to the next graded class. Stop by the welcome desk for a map of the Sunday School classes. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>